I want to make sure you don't get ripped off on a property project because that is one of the biggest fear for property investors. Now I did a video which is about three minutes long and I've had lots of feedback from people saying, good video, we want this to be longer and deeper content. So I've, I've now created two videos for you. The first one is this, where I cover 10 things for you that you need to be doing to make sure you don't get ripped off and you don't lose money on a property renovation project. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Buying property below market value or buying a property that's been unloved or needs a lot of work has a lot of opportunities in it, but it's also potentially fraught with problems. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. However, if you have the knowledge, experience, expertise, and the time and the team around you, it can be a fantastic business and create fantastic cash flow and give you a brilliant lifestyle. But the biggest nightmare for all of us in property, especially when we're starting off, is what if things go wrong? What if I find a builder who messes the job up, runs away uh, halfway through the job, overcharges me, uh, and what if the property isn't worth what it's supposed to be and I lose all my money or some of my money? Now those are genuine fears, so they are real con concerns that people have, and in this video, I'm gonna cover my first 10 tips on things you need to be thinking about and doing. And then I've got a second video for you where I'll cover another 10 tips. So in total, you'll have 20 tips, which will hopefully keep you on the straight and narrow and will stop you making mistakes and more importantly, help you make a brilliant start or help you go from where you are now to where you want to be. So let's get into the detail. Number one, most importantly, do your homework. So when you're buying a property, get a building surveyor and get them to go around. So they can look at exactly what work needs doing and you work out how much it costs. But you also need to be picking up work that's been done, which isn't up to scratch or needs to be done again, or work that's been done, but didn't have building regs or didn't have planning permission because somebody just thought they don't need planning and you find out that they did need planning. So you, you need to be aware of that. Furthermore, if it's a listed building, you need to work out what you can do, what you can't do, and, and where you need listed building consent. If any work has been done, make sure that that person had listed building consent. Because if you buy a property and you buy it blind, you're going to have major problems. Above, uh, above and beyond that, obviously you need a clean title, uh, right of way, access, no, ransom strips and make sure that the title you're buying is what you think you're buying and a good solicitor will help you do that but go around the building especially if you're not experienced with somebody who is they can point out all the nooks and crannies for you so you know exactly what you're buying so you're not going in there blind but you're going there with your eyes wide open so when you've had the survey done you may also need a structural surveyor depending on the type of building but make sure they've looked for things like damp and other things that the human eye 
might not always pick up. Uh, so you need to give in clear instructions to your surveyor to look out for all the things that you need to know because if you buy something and there's something majorly wrong with it and you didn't pick it up, well, unfortunately, it now becomes your responsibility and worse, your problem. Number three, always follow the rules and regulations and I can't insist how important this is. So when you, before you start work, figure out, do you need planning permission? Do you need buildings regs approval? Is it a listed building? So therefore, do you need listed building consent? Uh, if it uh, involves the neighbors, you need a party wall act because that's incredibly important. And if you mess that up, you may have problems with your neighbors. And especially if you're living in the property, the last thing you want to do is annoy your neighbors. And fourthly, look at the restrictions, the covenants. Uh, or do you need to inform uh, the leaseholder or do you need to inform anybody else about any work that you're doing? Are there any restrictions or, or limitations? All of these things can be covered off by your solicitor, but you need to make sure you do everything within the law. Because if you do work on a property and you need a planning permission and you don't do it, the council will issue you with an enforcement notice you'll have a problem. You can retrospectively apply for planning, but it's not guaranteed that it'll go through. If it doesn't go through, you have to undo all the work. However, if it's a listed building and you do not get listed building consent, then what you've just done is committed a criminal offence and that's going to cause you major problems. So with listed buildings, you need to be even more careful. But the key thing is work out and find out what you can do uh, through, say, prior approval or permitted development, what you can do without applying for planning permission and what needs planning permission, building regs, listed building consent, and all of these things are your responsibility. So either you need to check these out or get somebody else in your team or a third party who can do the, these things for you. Because never ever should you break the law. There's too much aggravation, too much risk, too many problems. It's not worth it. Number four, look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. So changing the design or having impulse purchases is no good. If you change the design or change how things are laid out or set out, then your builder will have variations and they can be very, very costly. And some builders make more money from variations than they do from the actual job in terms of profit margin. So you wanna make sure you avoid that. So when you start off, make sure you have a contingency sum. And the common question I get asked is, how much shall I have? And that depends partly on your experience, on the job you're doing, and how confident you are with the pricing. But if you don't know where to start, I'll say keep it really simple and have a 15% contingency on the overall build. Number two, do not waste money on expensive stuff, for example, like designer radiators uh, or other costs which you don't need. You wanna keep it really, really simple, but elegant, and that's extremely important. So with that, number three is don't waste money on unnecessary works, especially if you're renting the property out. You wanna make it look good. I get that, I'm the same, but you're not gonna live in it, so don't design it and create it as though you're living in it because the preferences of your tenant are very different to yours to so make it look kind of plain, simple, but good. So don't go overboard and get excited. Now, if you've got an older property, usually, and it depends on the type of work, usually the repair may be cheaper than replacing it. 
So consider how much it costs to replace something versus how much it costs to repair. And if the repair element is cheaper, then go with that. And fifth and most importantly on this part is keep the design simple but elegant. So don't go for kind of custom design kitchens and all that type of stuff. You don't need it. Just keep it really simple, elegant, and just think if anybody walks into this house, is it as neutral as it can be for most people to like it? Because everybody's preferences are different. Yours are different to mine. Mine are different to somebody else's and vice versa. Therefore, the more plain vanilla you can keep it, but make it look good, the more likely more tenants will like it. If you're selling a property, the more likely more buyers will like it. So keep it neutral, simple, but elegant. And it's important you look at the detail and talk about those things. So in terms of light switches, sockets, radiators, plugs, taps, basins, kitchens, doors, handles, look at that detail and see the specification and make sure you get the right spec for what you need. With that, schedule regular meetings with your builder because good communication is important in life in general but also on a project so then you keep a handle on exactly where you are in terms of budget in terms of time taken in terms of the overall process so you can address problems proactively before they happen rather than just letting everything slip before you know it you're over budget you're over time there's no profit in the job and you can't afford to pay the builder because that's the worst place to be so make sure you have regular site visits and regular reports or communication with your building contractor. Number five, order more materials than you need. So what I'm not saying here, by the way, is order too much, but what sometimes happens is people end up ordering too little. So the tiles run out, the paint runs out, the roof tiles, okay, run out, the bricks, they shorten them. The problem with that, especially where we are right now, is some of these things are in short supply. So if you haven't ordered enough, you order again, the lead time may change, the price may change, and then you hold up the job, and holding up the job, by the way, is costly. So most of these things come in certain quantities and sizes and packaging, and you can speak to your building contractor and they will tell you exactly how much of each thing you need, because unfortunately, there is uh, natural breakage in terms of delivery uh, and also when things are on site when people are, are working on them tiles for example some of them will break so you need to have that in your budget and make sure you order enough uh, because wastage uh, or uh, natural leakage does take place and if you're buying second-hand items like second-hand bricks or slates or tiles you're going to order around about I'd say 15 to 20 percent more if you're buying new stock or items, then around about 5% more than you need. So you don't want too much of a surplus because if stuff's left over, unless you're doing more projects and using similar uh, items, uh, you, you, it's gonna go to waste. And most people are gonna struggle to sell the, the, those items. And if you're gonna hold on to them, you need to find st storage space. Most people don't have the storage space. Don't order way too much, but order more than what you need by five or 10% uh, and usually you'll end up needing that too. Because I've had that experience where I've bought paint, I thought this is enough, gone in there, no, not enough, buy some more, then I buy a bit more, no, buy some more, I buy a bit more, I think, huh, had I ordered this in the first place, I could have bought bigger tubs uh, and it would have been cheaper and easier rather than doing three visits. So I've learned the hard way by the way, and I hope you, you won't have to. Number six, do not underestimate costs. 
This happens way, way, way too often and ends up costing people a lot of money. Renovation work or redevelopment work or development work costs a lot of money and costs more than what you may expect. And this is partly because there may be an issue or a problem that you can't see and others can't see, which is revealed once you start the work. Now you can't account for that, I'm afraid, and that's just how life is because you're gonna uncover those problems later. But quite often, people end up creating a budget but haven't accounted for all the different things. Therefore, new things crop up and they weren't aware of those and they need to find the money for that. Or worse, which I've covered for you a few minutes ago, you change your mind. Want, and then you get variations. Yeah, I don't want that. So as best as you can, stick to the specification and think about that in detail. Now we've already covered contingency uh, and I've said uh, have about 15%. Uh, and if you're new and you're not sure, then anywhere from 10 to 20% is fine. And when you set that contingency in your mind, reconcile the fact you're gonna spend that. And if you don't spend it, it's good news. But if you do spend it, at least you've accounted for it and you were aware of it. Above and beyond that, there are certain hidden costs that people don't think about. Not hidden per se, but you haven't thought about them. So for example, you'll have professional fees for your project manager, depending on the size of the project, for your surveyor, for your architect, for your engineers. Those numbers and costs need to be factored into. Then if you've got uh, costs for building control, building regulations, whether you're using the local authority or a third party supplier, make sure you account for those costs. Then if you need funding, make sure you take in all the fees for the funding, including arrangement fees, entry fee, exit fee, any uh, initial, an initial commitment fee, all of those costs need to be factored in. And most importantly, if there's VAT payable, make sure you factor in the VAT, whether it's 5%, 20%, or if it's zero rated, there's no VAT, but check that out and make sure you put that into your numbers. Now, a lot of inexperienced people find out as they start the project that their budget is wrong. So they underestimated costs, and now they've started, it's gonna cost them a lot more, so they can't continue with the project. And that's not a place you want to be. So remember, the first one was do your homework. Once you've done the homework, then use a surveyor. Once you use the surveyor, then use a work with a project manager, a quantity surveyor, whoever you need to, to help you work out the costs so that you are as accurate as possible. You've probably heard me uh, say this before, if you've seen some of my videos, that in property, there's no such thing as being on time and within budget. Usually you'll get one of those, but trying to get both of them doesn't usually happen. So things do overrun, things do end up costing more. Our job is to limit that. So if you over budget by say 5%, you've got the contingency, you're okay. If you're over time by 5% or a week or two weeks, depending on the length of the project, it's, no one's gonna die, it's okay, it's fine. What you don't wanna do is a six month project becomes a nine, 12, 15 month project, because that's just gonna be costly. And it's your job to be aware of that from the outset. When you're doing your budget, obviously get two or three quotes to compare that to your budget to make sure everything fits in with there. But don't forget things like tool hire, if you, have, if you need tool hire, especially if you're working with people who don't have their own tools. Uh, but usually I'd say, if somebody doesn't have their own tools, don't work with them, because if someone's a proper professional or a craftsperson, they should have their own tools. That is a good indicator of how much work that they do. But things like skips, 
scaffolding, plant hire, other tools and equipment, you may not be aware of what you need to speak to an experienced person and allocate all those in your budget. Number seven, only spend money on what you need to. And the problem here is we all get excited, so we want nice kitchens, so we get them designed, more nice decor, so and we're going to a graphic designer, want stuff to look nice because we want a good visual impact. And on the other hand, we end up skimping on stuff like maybe getting the property damp proof if it needs it, if the roof's leaking, get the roof repaired or replaced. So, and if, if the wiring or the plumbing needs fixing, spend good money on those things because they are important, especially if they go wrong. So spend money on the really important stuff, which is gonna be the long-term stuff that you don't want headaches with later, the decor, the visual impact, like I said earlier, make it look elegant, but don't go crazy on that type of stuff because that's not what you need. You need a good job done on the physical structure of the property or the physical items and also the internal electrics, plumbing, that type of stuff. That's really key. The decor and the kitchen, well, you can get them designed anyway, even if you go to uh, Howden's or Magnet or elsewhere, depending on where you buy your stuff from, but don't go crazy on that stuff. Stick to the real important stuff. So like I said earlier, take the approach of repair, not replace, uh, especially if you've got a house which is 1930s or older, that will usually work better. Uh, but also make sure uh, that if you've got some good items in the house, like doors and other furniture, uh, then try and fix that because the quality of those items from 100 years ago, okay, is much better than what we get today, in my opinion. And there are certain features like a fireplace, for example, uh, or windows, uh, which look good. So you don't want to lose the character of a building. Now you may need to replace some of the windows and depending on if it's listed building or not, replace them, but make sure they're like for like and they look really good and they enhance and add value to the property. And it's not just a, a vanity exercise that makes you feel good. Number eight, extremely important, get more than one quote. I've lost count how many people have told me they only got one quote from one person who was recommended to them and that's it. Because otherwise you don't know if you're getting a good deal or not. So I'd say get at least three quotes. Don't go for the cheapest uh, because cheapest usually means they're either cutting corners, they've forgotten certain costs and they might start the job and then realize, hold a minute, I'm making a loss. And then they might say to you, I need another 30 grand for this job. And you might say, I've already agreed to pay you 50 grand, you want another 30 grand, that's 60% more, I can't afford to pay you. They end up walking off the job, causes delays, you might need a, a new builder. It's a nightmare, so avoid that. Cheap is not always good, it's not the best option. Go for the one in the middle, because that usually tells you you're not paying too much, and you're not paying too little, so it's about right, or it's, or it's the best that you can get. I always go for the one in the middle usually. Sometimes I go for the highest one, because there might be things that they're doing that the others aren't doing, which is the added value, which works better for me. But right now, builders are busy. So if someone says to you, I can start next week, and they give you a cheap price, there's a problem, my friend. They may be trying to get you through the door, and once they do, then there may be variations, there may be other difficulties or challenges, they may not be able to do the work, the quality might not be good, they might walk off the job, you might end up paying them something in advance, uh, and then they don't do even that work, so they owe you money now, it's a nightmare. So you need to control that, uh, and the temptation of going cheapest, okay, 
is there for all of us. Avoid that temptation and think, let me go for the best value. And that, like I said, could be the one in the middle or could be the, the one that's above the middle. That's a choice for you to make. But generally speaking, I'd say don't go for the cheapest. Unless, of course, you, you've got three quotes and you've worked with one builder. They've done a couple of projects for you before, but you're a smart, savvy person. You always get three quotes because that's your process. And the one that you worked with before is giving you a cheaper price for a whole host of reasons. They might have a lot of jobs so they can buy stuff cheaper or they've done work with you. They know what kind of person you are, how you work, so they're willing to be more competitive. In that case, going with the cheapest works because you've got the experience, you've got the relationship, you know how things work. But if they're all unknown to you, do not go with the cheapest, go for the one in the middle and that should work better for you. Number nine. Now, cowboys builders do exist and you need to avoid them. And before I go any further, what I want to say is most builders are really good and they want to do a good job because that's their business. But there are some rookies out there and those rookies exist in every single industry out there from my own industry accountancy to the law uh, to uh, builders uh, and everywhere basically. So, but the majority are good. So we want to make sure you avoid the minority. So when you get a quote, if it's the cheapest and they can start tomorrow or next week, that should get alarm bells ringing. If they're good, why aren't they a bit more busier, for example? There may be a good reason, by the way, they just finished the job, you've caught them at the right time, but you need to explore that. Uh, usually good builders will say to you, I can't start until X date. X date is a month, two months, three months down the road. And always speak to some of their previous customers and clients to get a reference. But before you do that, when you talk to the person, and try and gauge if they're confident in doing the work that's required. Uh, make sure that they understand the job fully and explain to you exactly what they're going to do so they can add some value and enhance your knowledge and they understand the property. Make sure they've undertaken similar work on other properties before so they either take you to the property or they show you photos and you can check that property out. And I'd, I'd, at least if they show you two or three properties, I'd say, can I speak to one of them? Because there could be photos taken from the internet or elsewhere. And they say, oh, I've done this job. But how do you know they've done the job? So pick one of those people at least and say, can I talk to them and have a look at their property? So you go over there, have a look at the property, make sure that they talk you through what worked well, what didn't work well, so you get a good reference. Uh, and speaking to their previous clients, those clients will tell you honestly uh, how things worked out and it's going to help you build some confidence in the process. But the kind of things you want to ask the previous uh, customers is so the question you want to ask uh, previous customers is what was the builder like to work with? Did they turn up on time? Did, were they clean? Uh, were they messy? Were they noisy? Uh, how were they to communicate? Did they return your calls? Did they do the job on time? Did they do it uh, in budget? Was the job to a satisfactory level and standard? Did you get what you were promised? Because that's incredibly important. So those are the type of things that you want to ask them. And most importantly, you want to ask them, if you were doing another project, would you use them again? And that's going to give you enough insight to figure out whether the builder you're looking to use is the one that you should be using. Number 10, do not use the wrong materials. Now, this depends on the type of property you have. So if you've got a, an old property, a traditional property, then you want to use traditional materials that are compatible with that building and that area. So maybe going for some modern form of construction or materials 
isn't the right thing to do and that's important and you want to make sure that the builder you're using is familiar with that and they know how those things work and people get this wrong quite often and you want to avoid this and I'm not going to give you a whole list of things that you ought to use but ought not to use but I want to keep it very simple is make sure that you use materials that fit in line with the house or the property that you've got rather than kind of changing things and either going for things which are cheaper or are significantly different because you want to stay in keeping with the house and the area. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.